Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. You know, when Patty was doing the children's time, I was thinking, this is why the staff don't let us ride together. Um, I have this horrible sense of direction. In fact, uh, it's really bad. I've been lost in every city I've ever lived in. And what's really bad about it is that I will argue the case that I know the way. I will, I am convinced that I do not need help with this, that I will be able to make it to my destination. In fact, you know, I'm convinced that I'm on the right road to the on-ramp or that this street will connect into the next street. And Laura's dying laughing over here because she has ridden along. She's ridden along and I'm going, you know, I know just three streets, four streets down, we'll hit the street that will take us to Highway da da, da. I just... I've been lost and then I have to pull out, you know, I have to pull over, admit that I don't know the way, and then pull out the navigation and plug it in and here we go. It's, um, it's humbling, right? It's humbling to try to figure, figure that out, to, to figure out that you do not know the way. I really should write a thank you note to Satellite Navigation because it has gotten me out of being so lost as a ball in tall weeds so many times, so many times. Without Google Maps or maps, I, I would never find my destination. In fact, okay, so I have to confess, Lent is a time of confession. This last week I got lost going from here to the connection and I've been there so many times I could not count. I decided that it was, um, I would try a new route to get me to Highway 55. I was just convinced that this road would take me to Highway 55. Finally ended up having to get the navigation out and what should have taken me like 20 minutes to get to the connection took me much longer, we won't say how long, and I actually came in the opposite side of where I usually come in. And, um, and it happened to me in the hospital the other day, just walking people, just walking. <laughs> I was in the hospital the other day, gone to see someone, and they said, well, we think the family's down in the cafeteria. The person that I'd gone to see was out for tests, and so I walked down to the cafeteria. No family's there. On the way in, I had seen this door with people kind of being in the uh, cafeteria eating, and so when I was leaving the cafeteria, there's this exit door, and I'm just convinced that I had walked past that, and I was gonna go back into the hallway where I'd come from. I walk into a stairwell. I go up the stairs and I find myself in authorized personnel only. <laughs> and this man who saw me standing there kind of looking around uh, said, Do you, have you, are you lost? Yeah, I'm lost. So he pointed me in the right direction. You know, not all roads lead to the desired destination, amen? They just don't. In fact, it's important to have the right directions, but it's more important to have the right navigator. It's more important to have the right navigator. We're on this journey of this Lenten season, 40 days, and, and if, this can be a confusing journey if you've not had that in your faith background or tradition. And sometimes people say, what's this Lent all about? I've actually had people say, I thought Lent was that thing you found in the dryer. You know, what is, what is this all about? Well, Lent is a journey from Ash Wednesday that we had last, this last Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And some people call it the journey to the cross and empty tomb. But it's a time in which we reflect. 
We have a time of renewal, confession, self-examination, fasting, prayer, and acts of service. We hear this scripture so many times as we begin Lent. Hear this from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Because I know my wrongdoing. My sin is always right in front of me. I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. Create a clean heart for me, O God. Put a new faithful spirit deep inside me. Lent is that time of making space. We're carving out some of the things that take us away from God. So if you hear people say, well, I'm giving such and such up for Lent, that means that they're creating a space for God to be more experienced, experienced deeply in their lives. Some people will give up social media because that's a time spent away from God, um, time that they could spend in scripture reading or prayer. Some people will say, I'm giving up negative talk in Lent. And so you'll hear some people say, I'm taking on things. I'm going to take on a time of silence or scripture reading or a study group or I'm going to take on prayer time. It's a great time to maybe add prayer chapel to your, your weekly journey. It's time in which we make space for God to be experienced in this wonderful, deep way of deepening our relationship. It's a time to remember who our navigator is, church. Who our navigator is. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We're beginning this sermon series in the Lenten time where we study the seven I am statements. Today we're going to talk about just that. I am the way the truth, and the life. And then the rest of the weeks, we're going to unpack some things. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the true vine. And then on Easter, we're going to say, I am the resurrection and the what, church? And the life. My prayer is that as we unpack these, these statements of Jesus, that you will grow in your understanding of the one we claim as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I am the way, the truth, and the life comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Hear these words. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, I've read these words so many times to people who are making their transition to Heavenly Father. They are some of the most comforting promises in God's word. 
and they show us that Jesus Christ journeys with us through all things. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, I, I ask that your spirit wash over me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And may we as a church hear how you love us. May we hear with new ears and see with new eyes and respond in new ways. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thomas is asking a question here. Now, Jesus, just where are you going? You know, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. How about you? He's known as what? Doubting Thomas. He's forever going to be known as Doubting Thomas. But I really like Thomas. He asks the questions that everyone else is thinking, right? He asks the questions. And, you know, Thomas is never going to be the kind of person that says, I understand when he doesn't understand. And so he goes forth and he asks those tough questions. And in this, we learn something. We learn that it's okay to question. It's okay to seek that Jesus is going to show us exactly what we need to know. And he says, just how do we get to this place, Jesus, that you're talking about? And Jesus begins to answer the question with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What are the first two words in that answer? I am. Now, to understand what Jesus is meaning here, we have to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. And this is the story of how the Israelites are uh, released from captivity. And we hear a call story that begins this in Exodus 3 from Moses. Moses is there tending his father-in-law's flocks. And he notices in the distance this bush that is ablaze, but it is not being consumed by the fire. And so it grabs his attention, and he walks over toward it, and he hears this, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals, for the ground that you are walking on is what, church? Holy. And so he hears God's voice calling out to him through this burning bush, and God instructs him that he will be the one that will go to the Pharaoh in Egypt and will plead the case of the Israelites, and eventually the Israelites will be freed from bondage. Now, this is not something Moses really was happy about. He, in fact, tried to make some excuses to God, tried to wiggle his way out of this, and God would not relent. And God continued to tell him that he would be the one and, and so Moses is living in this polytheistic culture. There are lots of gods that people worship, and so he is wanting to make sure that he has the true God. And, and who would he tell the Israelites sent him? And so he says this, If I now come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they are going to ask me what's this God's name. What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. I am? That's a strange name for God, right? 
I am. It's translated in Hebrew as Yahweh. And if we read through the Old Testament, we hear that this is God's personal covenant name that he uses for himself. In fact, the Jewish people did not even speak the name Yahweh. It was Y-H-W-H. Thank you. You're in seminary, right? Good. Uh, You know, when you're out of seminary for a while, you kind of lose those things. And so they don't even speak the name of Yahweh. And so he is saying here, I am. Um, Adam Hamilton, who I love to read and study, says this about God's name, Yahweh, I am. By revealing this name, God was saying, I am being itself. I am the source of existence, life itself. In other words, everything that exists is contingent upon God for its existence. Every molecule Every atom, every subatomic particle, every cell in your body derives its energy and existence from God. So the, the Jewish people knew this. The Exodus story is really foundational in their faith. They knew everything about this story. It is their defining story. So the disciples who are hearing Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, know immediately that he is claiming his divinity. And it's not the first time they've heard him say, I am. If we go earlier on in the stories, we hear that he was in the temple. The Pharisees are questioning who he is, and he answers this way. I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. He says, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And again, when he says, when the human one is lifted up, then you will know that, what church? I am. And so Jesus is saying this in all of its fullness. He's adding more to it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this also would have had really uh, distinctive meaning to the Jewish people because these are the three basic concepts of the Jewish faith. Way, truth, life. And so we they start to begin to understand that in the way, truth, and life, those basic concepts of Judaism, that Jesus is going to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that their faith is fully going to be realized, and their life is going to be fully realized in Jesus Christ. And so, if we go all the way back to Deuteronomy now, chapter 5, we hear that this way is talked about all the time. Jews knew that that it was a part of their faith, that basic concept, that they talked about the way, the way, the way. I will tell you, this is God telling Moses here, I will tell you all the commandments, the regulations, the case laws. Do you hear that? Commandments, regulations, case laws that you must teach the Israelites to do in the land that I am giving them to possess. You must carefully do exactly what the Lord your God commands you. Don't deviate even a bit. Some translations say don't go to the left, don't go to the right. We want you to stay on this path. You must walk the precise path that the Lord your God indicates for you so that you will live and so that things will go well for you, that you will extend your time on the land that you will possess. Now, what was the way for them? The commandments, the regulations, and the case laws, right? You must stay on this path. This is the way that you must walk. 
The prophet Isaiah said, this is the way, walk in it. Psalmist in Psalm 27 says, teach me your way, O Lord. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the disciples are hearing this with new ears. Their hearing is not about the laws, it's not about the traditions, it's not about the regulations, it's about a relationship with me. Right? They're hearing it's about a relationship with me. I'm the way. Because I am fully human, fully divine, I am. I am. He's claiming his divinity, and he's talking about this relationship with Jesus. He's basically saying, I'm the only navigator you will ever need. I'm the only navigator you will ever need. Am I the only person in this room gets lost? Not just physically, but metaphorically too. Am I the only person who gets lost that way too? We all get lost, church, right? We all lose our way. And sometimes, just like the Israelites, we wander around for a while before we figure it out. Jesus is saying, I'm the navigator. Take my hand and I will lead you through any storm. You get lost along this path, I'm right there with you. I'm going to be here with you. He says, I do not give to the as the world gives. This is later on in John. He says the same in the same section, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's right there navigating the way that when we get off the path and we get lost, he's going to guide us back. He's going to show us exactly where we need to be. Now, I He's the only navigator we need. And I love to read um, articles from Christianity Today. And there was a publication that was written a while back that asked a question. It said, in the midst of a world teeming with religious diversity today, what does it mean to say that Jesus is the way? Well, he said, simply put, it means this. As the divine incarnation, God coming into the world, as the divine incarnation of God's love, Jesus exemplifies the way of God in the world. It's about love. Jesus exemplifies God's love in the world, and that's our way. The affirmation of Jesus is the way means to acknowledge that he shows us who God is and how God acts in the world. Jesus Christ is the living embodiment of God's gracious character, the one who loves. Think about it. In every turn, he loved. He gathered the little children. He touched the leper. He, he went out and, and taught and spoke to women who were considered by society less than. He continued to show us the way, right? He showed us how to love. He showed us how to be. 
He showed us self-sacrifice, humility. He showed us redemption on the cross. He gave everything out of love. Out of love. Jesus is the way of truth. Truth is woven into that very fabric of love, right? And so Jesus is the all-encompassing truth of God, a truth that's personal, active, relational, and gracious. Jesus is the way of life, life in all of its fullness. I've often said that I don't know how people get through tragedy without Jesus in their life. Because when tragedy hits, and it does, Life sometimes happens. That's the bumper sticker, right? Life happens. We sometimes don't choose what happens in our world. We certainly don't. We didn't choose what happened this last week. And the families who are going through that horrific, that horrific experience are trying to put the pieces back together. And I pray, I pray that they would know that Jesus is right there with them in the midst of all of this. You know, how do they get through these tragedies without Christ, that way in our life, without that love, without that truth? Well, as believers of Jesus, as those who follow Jesus, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we hold on to the way. We hold on to the way. We hold on to the truth. We hold on to the life, life now and life forevermore. So... When we get lost, not if, right? When we get lost, I urge you to pull yourself over to the side and pull out your GPS. What did you call it? The God, God positioning system. The true navigator, Jesus Christ. Because we're the ones who kind of pull away, right? Jesus is always there. Call upon his name. And Jesus will show you the way, the truth, and whatever is going on in your life, and life, a life in love, a life in fullness, a life in confidence that we are saved in him. I want to end with a quote, leave you with this quote. I love it. It's from Catholic theologian Thomas Akempis. I'll ask the band to come up. Hear this. He says, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for your love that was shown to us in Jesus Christ. You said that um, you were sending him because you loved this world so much and that he would give it all for us. And he did. When we lose our way, oh God, we pray. We pray that you would show us how much he loves us, that it's all about this relationship God. It's all about this relationship with you. 
that when we call upon your name, we know you hear us. And that you're with us. And that you don't give to us as this world gives. You give to us in much different ways. Ways of love and mercy, forgiveness. We pray we might lean into that. And we might remember who we are. You're beloved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.